And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman, and today we're going to talk about whether or not the calories from corn count if it comes out of you the same way it went in. Ari, your thoughts? <laughs> I've always wanted to know that. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. If you go to Chipotle and you get corn, and then the next day you see it on the other end. Did the calories for the corn that you put into your Lose It app count? Listen, I think it's a great question. It's undigested corn. So to me, it's like you got to enjoy the... It's a life hack. If only it tasted good. Corn's amazing. Not a big corn it's guy. It's a starch. Not a corn guy. I like popcorn. That's where my... Look. I saw a meme I saw a meme once that said, do we try exploding any other food to see if it's much better when <laughs> afterward or we just stop at corn? <laughs> and I thought that was funny. <laughs> Put every single... Every single vegetable in the microwave and see what see happens. What happens. When, like when cover microwave cover it in butter and salt and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, like that. No. Brought to you by The Athletic, Bill is my bodyguard. I heard a story from my, my wife the other day that we um, had a welcome party that was on a rooftop bar in Newport Beach the night before our wedding. And I was instructed to stay downstairs and to keep people in the bar area while they set up the top. But Landis and Leah were so eager to see me that they came early and they were up on the on the top floor and anyway some drunk guy on the top floor of this bar was hitting on my future wife at the time 
and saying, who are you marrying? What kind of man would let you, would let you set this thing up by yourself? Obviously they've never met Brit. <laughs> um, and Landis was a witness uh, to this, and uh, he was like kind of badgering Brit, from what I understand, a little bit, like continually, yeah, like like kind of like jar- jawing at her a little bit, trying to like get her attention. And then Landis eventually, uh, Landis, who was sitting there, eventually stood up and said, "Hey, can I help you?" And then the guy ran away. Uh, <laughs> and that was like the Philly, the Phillyness in him was just like he had had enough, and he saved my marriage before it even started. So thank you, Bill, for being. Uh, a man that my wife could admire, um, and a, a man that I could admire. That, that took uh, that took a lot of Philly, and I appreciate it. I was I I I had only ever met Britt one time before, and it was for like a minute. So like I wasn't sure. I was like sitting there thinking like these guys are kind of being assholes. I feel like I should like go over there to get them to leave, but I didn't know. You know, she's a she's a strong, independent woman. She can take care of herself. I didn't want to like give the impression that I didn't think that was the case. But these two guys were inebriated and annoying and seemingly pestering your i guess at the time time wife to be uh so i just went over and said like i just asked Britt, like hey do you need help with anything and i might have dropped my voice down a little bit like make it make it appear a little deeper maybe i like you know stood <laughs> yeah. up a little straighter and you know let just let them know like hey you're uh you're not welcome here um yes yeah so philly yeah i was happy uh i was happy to do that it felt good i felt thanks I felt, bill i, I, owe felt, you I felt tough for like 10 seconds yeah yeah <laughs> Yes, it, it does. It must be nice to feel tough. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not actually tough, but I felt tough, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tougher than me. I don't know. You're scrappy. You're scrappy, though. You make up for yeah. it. Yeah. So, all right, we're recording this on on Tuesday, and because I'm getting ready to go out of town for a few days and have some vacation time coming up, and we're we're recording this ahead of news that I think is going to come out later this week in regards to contract extensions for Ryan Day and Chris Holtman. Um, I don't. I mean, it's news. They're going to get more money to get more years. I don't. I don't find it particularly interesting, to be honest, because it's just sort of the way things are done now. Um, Ryan Day got a contract extension two years ago. He's going to get another one now. Um, I'll probably get another one in two years when his name comes up for NFL rumors again. Um, but that's going to be announced, I think, after obviously we record this podcast. I just wanted to put people on alert for that and let you know like why we're not talking about it after the fact. It's because uh, I'm going to be on a beach in South Carolina probably when that happens. So, um, more news that came out on Tuesday, the day we're recording this. Kickoff times, some kickoff times for Ohio State's 2022 schedule. And the, the biggest one of which is a Notre Dame game uh, that I think some of us, I was wondering whether or not it might be a Fox game and thus be a big noon kickoff as Fox has done with every big game it's gotten over the last few years. It is not. It is a 730 kick. It is on ABC. It is a primetime Ohio State versus Notre Dame game in the shoe. College game day, college game day will be there. And Ari, that just feels right to me. Yes. Um, so, like, where are you at? Like, and I know that fans don't give a shit about, like, what we have to do in our jobs and, like, how much stress, how, how much more stressful a night game is just because of how late it is. And, you know, and maybe it's not anymore because people are sleeping by the time we're done anyway and they, they read it in the morning. But as a fan consuming college football, if you were to go to the game or watch it, what do you prefer? I prefer a night game as a fan. I agree. Yeah, as a journalist, I, I prefer think that a there is game. new games are great for for our purposes. But I prefer it's. I always feel bad when Ohio State plays a game like this and it's at noon and it's like a little dead and there's just not as much buzz in the building as you'd like there to be. Yeah, and I also think too, as a fan, there's probably something to be said about enjoying the day's games all day yeah. in anticipation of your big game. Um, 
you know, and maybe the, a fan would say, well, I'd rather win at noon and then enjoy the rest of the night games knowing that we won. You know, I, I mean, I guess there's, uh, there's always another side to every coin. But Ohio Stadium at night for a big game and a big-time atmosphere is when Ohio Stadium is at its best. I saw a lot of noon games there, and I saw a lot of night games there. I don't think there's ever been a noon game that was louder than the night game. So when you're playing a team like that, especially when the head coach used to play at Ohio Stadium uh, during his college career, and Notre Dame seems to be trying to make a move into the elite conversation, um, you know, I think you want that game at night. I also thought it was funny that the spread is 13 and a half. I don't know if you saw that or not, I did but it, see it that. seems like yeah. I think it seems like yeah. uh, Ohio State's going to be a heavy favorite in that game, which I don't know what your initial thoughts were, but I thought 13 and a half might be a lot. They are uh, uh, clearly if they're a double digit favorite in that game, when they're a double digit favorite in the Michigan game, they're a double digit favorite, I think, in every game um, this season with the early lines. I likewise feel two touchdowns feels like a lot to me now. If Ohio State goes and wins that game by like thirty, I don't think it'd be terribly surprised because I I, mm-hmm. I I do think they're, you know, significantly better from like a talent base talent standpoint than Notre Dame is. Um, but I also think Notre Dame is pretty good, and Ohio State has a lot of questions, so that feels like a, a pretty big yeah. Story. Notre Dame is pretty good. Um, they're going to come in hyped up as hell because. You know, it's a season opener, and it could be a season-legitimizing win. I mean, think about what that would mean to Marcus Freeman in the build of that program. Uh-huh. And Ohio State's defense has not played a game together yet with their new coordinator. Um, and you could see, I mean, I guess historically with Ohio State, um, there have been some pretty bad breakdowns against really crappy opponents in the first game of the year. I think that if they are still ironing out some details or there's some first-game confusion or there are players in spots who lack, uh, you know, experience – that mistakes could be made Ohio State uh, for Ohio State defensively that might not happen in week eight. So, you know, that, that hook there is kind of tricky. I could totally see like a 42-24 type game uh, where there's a cover, but I just thought that like like if I were to set the line for that game, I probably would have just put it at 10. I, I think I agree with that. The other thing with that is like Ohio State loses this game like a lot. <laughs> the, the the home marquee. It's like the only, game. yeah, the only regular season games that they've lost consistently. They lost to Oregon, they lost to Oklahoma, they lost to Virginia Tech, and then mm-hmm. if you go back before that, they lost to USC, they lost to, they mm-hmm. lost to Texas, right, at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now you're going back 20 years. Right, but, yeah. but, but even like even in the last decade, like they their best home non-conference win in the last decade, I guess they beat Miami at home in 2010, if you want to stretch it for more than a decade and count that, but it's like... Yeah, and they win the road ones, funny enough. Yeah, they win the road ones, but it's like their home wins are Cincinnati, Oregon State, and like Cal in the last 10 years. Yeah, that's funny. I never even thought about that it's, that it's way. It's odd. Um, well, I think it's... And the last time they won the national title, they lost that game on their schedule. Yeah, it's not to say that that loss is prohibitive, because it's, clearly it's it's not. Um, they could have lost to Oregon at home last year and still gone to the playoff had they beaten Michigan. Um, so... If they lose in Notre Dame, it's not the end of the world. It'll, well, it'll feel like the end of the world at the moment, but it doesn't derail their entire season. It'll feel like the end of the world for six weeks. Then you and I will talk about you know how they have problems for six weeks. Then they'll go into the Michigan game. It'll be it would be a, literally a carbon copy of last year. Yeah, but if they lost that game with a new defensive coordinator, I think that would be particularly alarming. I think that's true. Yeah. Oh, no, we'll, we'll we'll be plenty alarmed. Trust me. <laughs> trust yeah. Trust yeah. Me if, if it happens, um, but it's not. It's not the season ender at least it hasn't been i do think that this would be a really fun game to have annually it is odd to me that it is not an annual deal or even 
So when I, I should have this offhand, and I don't. Was it nineteen ninety six? Is the last time they played in the regular I mean, I know season? Or? Eddie George was playing in the game. Yeah. So I think ninety six sounds right. I think right. it was ninety. They've played in bowl games since then. Um, yes, they played in the Fiesta Bowl in two thousand five. Yeah, and then, and then um, again in twenty fifteen, and, and then again in twenty fifteen. But they haven't played in the regular season. Very strange. It's just like it bothers me that I covered Ohio State for a decade of my life, and I never got to see a game there. When it's only two and a half hours away or whatever it is. 95-96 is the last series. And then before that, it's 1935-36. Yeah. So it's like these teams never play <laughs> play yeah. each other. It's, it's very, Isn't very that strange. Eddie George photo um, running away from yes. like five defenders against Notre Dame? Is that that? that yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That one. I think it's in the Woody somewhere. I think it is too. But I think that's one of the most iconic photos in Ohio State football history. And it's like him running in front of five Notre Dame defenders. Yeah, it's like the entire defense is behind him. And yes. He, yeah, he's just sprinting past all of them. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think this is, we have, we have tremendous Notre Dame coverage at the athletic too, with, with Pete Sampson and Matt Fortuna. So I think we'll probably end up really blowing this out and as we get closer to it, but I think there'll be some of that historical look back stuff too, of like Eddie George and Terry Glenn, um, probably won't. You think I could like request to come to this game? Uh, I want to come to this game and write it or write about it with you. I don't think that would be out of the question, especially if we can. Maybe finagle a way to do some on-site podcasting. podcasting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually uh, request that when this podcast. I is think over. you should do that. It's been it's been a while uh, since we've covered a game together, and they're gonna. I'm sure Fortuna and Samson are both gonna be there. So I think like two on every side. I don't know if they'll they'll um, approve it, but I guess if I stayed at uh, at my cousin's house or your house too, that might make it more. Um, appealing for them so um uh, speaking, speaking and that's of this game, and that's how uh, clerical work goes behind the scenes of the athletic if you're wondering that's right uh so 11 minutes ago as we're recording this uh lebron james quote tweeted a tweet about the kickoff time for this game and said what's the date of this i need it asap and then a bunch of emojis but what's funny about it is that he quote tweeted an account called the buckeye nut that has ninety six thousand twitter followers i want to know how lebron james found a twitter account called the buckeye nut and then decided to retweet that one why couldn't they retweet me? I tweeted out what time the game was. Uh, I muted that person because they were like yelling at me a lot, and I didn't like it. I like all sports, but love capital letters the Ohio State Buckeyes. And there's got to be there's got to be a uh, person that follows the Buckeye Net who uh, retweeted that that he saw. I mean, That's it's the only yeah, way. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of followers, but I like the idea of LeBron James following the Buckeye Nut. I also don't know if those are real. Sometimes I get. Uh, you get a little swindled because people pay for fake followers too all the time. So yes, that does happen. Um, there are some. So this is the first prime time, like big time prime time home game against a non conference opponent for Ohio State since it lost to Oklahoma in twenty seventeen. And more and more, it feels like it just doesn't get those kind of games because of Fox. So I'm excited that this is uh, a night game in the shoe. But there are some dominoes here with this. So we know Ohio State Notre Dame is on ABC. It's a 7.30 kick. We know that Ohio State-Wisconsin is also on ABC. We don't have the kickoff time for that yet. Also, uh, prepare yourselves now. I will not be at that game uh, because my brother is getting married that weekend. So, um, yeah, 
hopefully nothing crazy happens. Just look, hoping for a nice, comfortable 35-point Ohio State win where nothing notable happens and it won't matter that I'm not there to cover the game. Uh, Ohio State-Michigan is on Fox, as it always is. And we know that like Fox and ESPN kind of do this back and forth where they pick the games and Fox has the first pick. And the fact that ESPN slash ABC has Ohio State Notre Dame and Ohio State Wisconsin but didn't announce Ohio State Penn State makes me think that Ohio State Penn State is going to be on Fox. And now I'm wondering if Ohio State is going to play in Beaver Stadium for a noon game which is like unheard of because every time Ohio state plays at Penn state, it's an eight o'clock whiteout. Everyone's drunk out of their minds. It's a, a tremendous environment and often a really difficult game for Ohio state. And that would be a very different dynamic. I think for a Penn state team that uses that environment as a bit of an equalizer against Ohio state. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because the whole noon thing is changing the paradigm of big games, you know, and I think it's a really good marketing strategy. Um, and it seems like the numbers are working, right? Like Fox has released like viewer windows, and the noon games are getting as much um, as much viewers for those big games and as the night games are, aren't they? So yeah, well, it, yeah, it's a good they, TV thing. They are, but it's because like you can put Ohio State on at four o'clock in the morning, and six million people are going to watch it because it's Ohio State. So I don't know. I don't know if that's proof that the new window works, or if it's just proof that Ohio State works. The the idea isn't about the time window. The idea is to not put their big game up against ESPN's big game, right? Yeah, right. I think that yeah. To, to own no one, no one has really ever prioritized the noon slot, with the exception of like the Red River rivalry that's usually at that time. But otherwise, before Fox started doing this, that was in Michigan, yeah, and Ohio State, Michigan, right? So no, yeah, and and to their credit, I, th- I think they have carved something out there, and it has worked. But it will be. I went back and looked through all the kickoff times of Ohio State, Penn State, like as far back as I could. You know, the last time that that game kicked off, like when the sun was still up, two thousand four. No, uh, well, no, it was more recent than that. In two thousand twelve, it was a five thirty kick, which is very strange. I don't know why that happened. Um, maybe something to do with baseball or something like that. Although I guess it would have been on ESPN, so probably not. Uh, and in two thousand nine, it was a three thirty kick in Beaver Stadium. Uh, and I was at that game, I believe. And that, at that time, Ohio State wasn't very good, right? 2009 would have been Terrell Pryor. I remember sitting in the south, or I can't remember now, the north end zone of Beaver Stadium, like very like down low. I don't know how I got the tickets. And sitting behind where Ohio State was warming up before the game and thinking to myself, my goodness, Terrell Pryor is a gigantic human being. Um, and then Ohio State. Is that the game where he like put his hand in his helmet? And that picture was kind of floating. You know that picture of him like being sad. No, that was that was here. Or was that his junior year? That was in Ohio Stadium. That was here. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was like a it was like a ten, ten seven game or something like that. Yeah, oh. that was here though. That that game in two thousand nine, I think Ohio State won pretty comfortably. Um, but even that that was a I don't know the last time it, or if ever Ohio State and Penn State have played in Beaver Stadium at noon, but it's been going back more than 10 years since uh, they played like in a traditional early day 3.30 slot. So um, I don't know what that'll do for the environment. I think uh, having as someone who's been in Beaver Stadium many times, uh, including for non-Ohio State games, the time makes a tremendous difference. And uh, it is not You know always, James Franklin will be like, yeah, we're going to make it a whiteout anyway, and they're going to like ignore the time. It's just not going to be the same. It's still going to be a whiteout, and, and it will not be the same. Also, James Franklin is going to uh, – not directly, but indirectly complain about this not being a night game from now until the game kicks off. Funny enough, uh, the weekend that you're going to your brother's wedding, I volunteered to cover the Wisconsin game, and I can't because 
I'm doing a Southern Swing with Andy that week where I'm going to all these SEC stadiums and watching like three or four games to like be introduced to the SEC because I've never been to an SEC home game, funny enough. Um, and I will say that I believe Penn State's whiteout is the best environment that I've ever seen. And I'm very curious to see if the SEC is going to be marketably better than that. I feel like you hear that sometimes, right? It's like you, like you say the whiteout's the best thing you've seen because you don't know anything different, but it's like, oh, you got to go to the Swamp or you got to go to LSU. Um, yeah, I hear that all the time. I'm like, oh, you've never been to an SEC game. And I'm like, don't think – I my anticipation is that the SEC thing w- will be overrated. I'm not saying it won't be loud and I won't and, and that it won't be passionate, but like I just can't comprehend how it could like be infinitely louder than what Penn State puts together for that that event. Yeah, the one the one thing I feel it depends on the game, obviously at Beaver Stadium, but I feel like the like the beginning of that game, I just I can't imagine there's anything that's better. There's maybe things that are similar to the like the, the beginning buzz yeah, it might game, be it might be a little better or similar but i don't know that it'll be like oh my god penn state can't compare i feel like the buzz dies in, in beaver stadium pretty quickly yeah i mean i guess when things are going well like the entire like i can't even like make out what the student section is but when the the white is jumping and they're having a good game it is loud as shit in that stadium yeah and i know that the press box was made before modern uh with the industrial revolution <laughs> But like it does, the the press box shakes, and like it's just an intimidating thing to look at. Like I, I can't imagine playing in front of it when everybody's jumping. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Penn State is by far my favorite road trip in the Big Ten. Uh, it's the best environment. It's not in terms of like travel logistics. It's probably my least favorite. I have I have have a lot of fond memories traveling there with you. My only issue with going to Penn State is that you can't stay in, in State College. Yeah, or really, there were a lot of like two a.m. drives back to Altoona that we did. You're lucky if you can stay in Altoona. And Altoona, well, because we were also away. like worked at places too that like had weird travel restrictions for like how far in advance you could book things. Like, I bet you if you try to like book Beaver Stadium right now, you might be able, or book State College right now, you might get a, a reasonable rate. I highly doubt it, but I, maybe I, not. I think I might. Yeah, I, I think know. I'm going to stay with uh, with our pal Audrey Slater anyway, because she has a nice she has a nice home in State College. So yeah, well, giving up the points, it's a it's a nice little. Uh, in that scenario, I'd gladly give up the points um, for the ability to leave the stadium and then drive five minutes and go to sleep, as opposed to driving ninety minutes and go to sleep. Yeah, I remember. I remember some of those nights where it'd be three in the morning, and like it's not an easy drive either, because like it's like oh, it's windy, dark, and, and through the too. mountains. Yeah, yeah. Although I guess so, if it's a noon game, that's that's less of an issue. And I, I think too that a lot of times, like I correlated like road trips and the fun of it with how big the game is. 
For so sure. I think a lot of times too, you'd have like a seven hour drive or however far away it is. And you'd be like talking about how big of a game it is and like, just like shooting the shit about it. And I think that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. I agree with that. Um, Cause I don't like driving five. Like, I mean, there were times where we would like would drive five, six hours to other stadiums where the game is like a 30 point spread. And it was just like oh. the drive, the drive you know, to like, Bloomington is only three and a half hours, but it feels like 11 hours. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's always sleeting too. Every time you go there, it's, you it's, it's, it's always, before. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bloomington, Illinois was the first or sorry, Bloomington, Indiana was the first uh, road trip that I took at the athletic when I left you and Doug at cleveland.com mm-hmm. and I did it alone. And I remember like being sad during that trip. The first game of the 2017 season. Yes. Yeah. That was a weird and they game. put my seat behind a behind a, a brick they pole. They did. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, "Okay, welcome to the new world." But hey, <laughs> you did, here we are. You had the obstructed view seat. If anyone ever like uh, Tony Gerderman from Buckeye Scoop always tweets out the view from his press box, and he always purposefully like does it with like a pillar in front of him so you can only see half the field. <laughs> that's what your that's what your actual seat was. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like offended, but I was just also like, "Well, no one's heard of this this stupid website yet." Yeah. And in 2022, uh, we no longer. Uh, work for the athletic we work for the new york times so you know i had a good seat i had a big i had a good seat in bloomington uh last year yeah last year when they played there so it's all it's all worked out for for i don't like cramped press boxes penn state's is very cramped um michigan great great meal good meal yeah michigan's i find very cramped because there's more reporters in there for the ohio state game than they i think they actually have room for um Michigan State's got a great press box. Michigan State has a fantastic press box. Yeah, but they also have like tickets for food. Yes, food is not is not great, but whatever. It's still it's a free hot dog. I'll take a free hot dog. Yeah, I want nine free hot dogs. What's your favorite press box in the Big Ten? I think that Ohio State's press box is the best, but it's got the worst view. It's very high up. It's very very high up. So it's not Ohio State. Michigan's is uh, is really good and it's got a great view, but like you said, there's it, it's like, can you neg the press box because there's too many people in it? No. So I think Michigan's got the best combo of food and space. I think. Um, I'm trying to think. I like Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska's got a great, and there's like a back room with pizza yeah, there. Po- Nebraska's got a good pie. one. Good, good. In-game Nebraska's pretty high pie. up though too. You are very high up. Yep. And Nebraska's got a really, really terrible walk from the garage to the stadium. It can be long, yeah. And so is Maryland. Maryland's trek from the parking garage to the press box is like a mile, which I hate. Um, you know what? I, I think Michigan State is my favorite press box. It's a good one. It's a nice work environment. Yeah. You know who's got a great press box is Stanford. Oh, really? They have granite countertops for your workspace, and I've oh, always thought. And, the, and, uh, and office computer chairs. That's nice. Like on wheels? So, on wheels, yeah. Like everybody, it's like a, a an office chair that you would have in your home. That's my only complaint about Ohio State's press box is that the seats aren't on wheels. Yeah. And Michigan State seats are on wheels. It's nice. Yeah. These are the things you complain about when you're a coddled sports writer. Yeah, I'm not trying to complain. I just like there are certain press like I don't like Penn State. Like, it's like I love Penn State's press box because of the game, the environment, and everything. But like the press box itself is super cramped. And the thing that I will never understand about Penn State's press box is they have a one-person bathroom, <laughs> There's one which is unfreaking believable. It's like if you have to pee, like you have to wait in line in the middle of the game. And also, like, the bathroom hangs off the back of the press box in a way that makes you feel like it's going to f- just fly off that thing. And there's always time. like this, like l- there's like this little window, and it's like the it's always open. So it's like you get like this concept of like the elements are out there, 
and I'm like hanging on by a thread. And like, if I flush the toilet too hard, like I might be going through the floor. It's terrifying. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, maybe we can get back on. Rutgers task. has a so, Rutgers has a really good sight line because you're like you're in between the first level and the second level, so it's it's pretty close to the field. Yeah, it's like the NFL stadiums have the best press boxes, but they have the worst views. A lot of those NFL press boxes stick you in the corner, which is in the corner. So it's like when the teams, it's like I've, I've covered five five or six games at AT and T Stadium in Dallas, and like it's a great press box, and they've got great food, and a lot of a lot of room, but you have to watch the game on the jumbotron because you can't see what's going on on the field. That's how the Fiesta Bowl I, is too. That the stadium in Glendale, you're in the corner. Yeah, Rose Bowl's Rose Bowl's pretty good. Rose Bowl sweet, just because of what it is. Yeah, yeah that's a good time. Okay. Okay. So uh, should we move on for the 13 people who are still listening? Yeah, I think people like that. I mean, press box uh, stuff is, I mean, people want to know all about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll so sit, you sat down. I'll sit on a garbage can, like, with the wind blowing in my face because I'm appreciative of being in the stadium. Like, I don't I don't want people to think that we're. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, getting paid to go to games is a very good deal for us. So yeah. I don't, never, never want people to think that we don't take that. Uh, as a blessing so okay so you sat down with ryan day in his office this week uh last week yeah uh last um last thursday so uh yeah for the state of the program story that it will be up on the athletic on wednesday morning um you i'll tweet out the link you can find it there you can sign up at the athletic.com slash four dash six if you want to read it it's our like our annual sort of temperature check i think on on not just ohio state but we do like what do we do like 80 something of these um, like a lot like of them, damn yeah. near every every team in in FBS. Um, certainly every Power Five team and and all the G five teams. I think that you you'd care to read about. Um, like pretty in depth, you know, going through position by position, offense, defense. Uh, but there's always like you know, there's always a topper that's sort of like the theme of that season for that team. It's not only a season preview; it functions as as more than that. I think. Um, but yeah, they're, I, I enjoy reading them a lot. It, it's a really good way to learn about other teams across college football. It's like a better version of Athlon Magazine. Yeah, just a little more. Well, we have more, one. We have more space because we're writing on the internet. Like they. That's right. Yeah. yeah of course. These things are, you know, four thousand words. Some of them get closer to five thousand words. I know mine does because the I don't know problem with the magazines isn't that they're not. I mean, I buy the magazines every year. Still, yeah, don't get me, me wrong. I think it's like a rite of passage to get ready for football season when the college football magazines hit the stands. But a lot of times, because I've written, I, I've written the Lindy's one up until the last few years, every year, and you file them in April, and then they run in August, and it's uh, outdated information by the time they come. And like, I don't know how the magazines are going to, with the transfer portal and everything, how they're going to be able to, you know, kind of, you know, keep them up to speed if people are already filing them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, especially now when major transfers are happening and like the face of your program could be different. Right. And, you know, they'll edit it and they'll make it work. But it's just like ours are done by the reporters who cover the team, most of which get exclusive access to the coach to write the story. And it kind of gives you a nice feel of like where everybody's at. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a major labor to write. Like it took, I don't know how long it took you, but like I wrote Arizona's this year and it took me like 10 hours of total work to do. I always, whenever it comes up, I'm always like, I got all my stuff. I know Ohio state inside and out. Like it it will be easy. I'll be done in like three hours. I know it took me like, it took me an entire day to write it basically. Um, and also too, like imagine doing it when you don't know anything about the team. Well, I'm going to, well, yeah, last year I did Rutgers, um, which I, 
I was annoyed to have to do it going into it, but I was like appreciative after the fact because I learned a lot about Rutgers and Ohio State plays Rutgers. This year I have to do Maryland. I'm going to have to really uh, educate myself on Maryland because um, all I really know of Maryland is that Maryland is great because Loxley will take you through the roster. Yeah, um, that'll be good. That's the hard part. The hard part is is like calculating, calculating the returning, returning production because you don't you don't know who's on the team because some of these teams don't have their rosters updated yet. Yes, but when you're, for Ohio no, State, Loxley, it doesn't matter. I've done Maryland the last two years, and it's actually not that bad. Yeah, that'll run later, uh, in like the end of June, I think. But Ohio State, Ohio State's always early, um, early, early-ish in the in the process. He's been running for like two and a half, three weeks now, and Ohio State's up already. Um, so, yeah, read it on Wednesday. I won't, I won't go like blow by blow through the entire thing of what's in there. And and honestly, if you're a major, major Ohio State fan, you know, you know the players like I do. So, um, but I, yeah, I did get to sit down in Ryan Day's office for. I was in there for probably about a half hour. Um, mostly talking about this, talked about some other stuff that might end up in some other stories um, down the road. But it was it was good to get some FaceTime with him. It was good to kind of get some different answers to stuff that I think he was asked throughout the spring. Um, walked into his office. He had he had Notre Dame tape uh, up on the video board. Was watching uh, Notre Dame Cincinnati from I guess it was from last year. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. I think it was. I think we forget sometimes like how soon they've coaching staffs like start preparing for stuff like this and uh ryan day was watching notre dame on may 10th or whatever day that was so um that was cool but yeah it was a good conversation um he's much more expansive on offense still than he is with defensive stuff and it's not surprising because obviously that's his side of the ball um so i while like the i think the theme for ohio state right is like what what can this defense how can this defense get better to the point that Ohio State is again contending for national championships, which is everyone's expectation inside the building and out? Um, but in terms of like getting into nitty gritty of that, like Ryan Day is not the best person to talk to. The same way with Urban Meyer, it was like we always ask Urban Meyer about the defense. He'd be like, uh, talk to Greg Schiano. Um, but I thought he was. I thought there was some lightning stuff about the offense and what he wants to do this year, um, in terms of like how they can get better when they were so good last year. Like, they were number one in the country in a lot of different metrics, but I think if you peel back those layers a little bit, there are significant there's significant room for growth in a lot of areas. I think number one is running the ball, and they're, they're cognizant of that and I think want to do that. Um, so that some of that's in there, and I'll, I'm going to be writing more about that because he expanded much more on that than what is in the state of the program story, but um, that seemed to be front of mind for him. It was like, I said, like, how can you guys get better? when you were so good already. And he said, he said he was like talking to Justin Fry, the new offensive line coach about that, like a week earlier. And as simple as it sounds, what they were talking about is like, you got to be able to run the ball when it's time to run the ball. And I don't think Ohio state has been particularly good at that. Certainly not last year. It was okay. The year before it was excellent two years or three years ago. And I think they want to get back to being that kind of excellent rushing team. They were three years ago. I also feel like running the ball sets the tone of like how you're viewed as a team. Yeah. There's a toughness. And it's like, and I don't know if, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this is universally accepted, but I do think that, like, and I don't even know what the word finesse means, but um, Ohio State was viewed and probably was a finesse team last year that was, like, could throw the ball around and, you know, seven on seven, they could kick anyone's ass. But, like, when it came to getting their hands in the dirt, um, there was some question about whether they were able to do that. And, obviously, that was uh, entered, or answered in a, in a tough way uh, a few days of the year last year so. You know, I think that like Ohio State's best teams, if you go back to the Urban Meyer era, were ones that, you know, could 
win games by controlling the line of scrimmage offensively and moving the ball on the ground. And Ohio State has the personnel to do that. So I don't I don't know that there's any reason why they can't just pound teams out like they used to. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there was an over-reliance on throwing the ball because you have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on your team. But, like, it just it didn't seem to add up last year to me. Yeah, I think – I think there's definitely something to be said for it's time to run the ball. Everyone in the building knows you're going to run the ball and you still run the ball and you do it well. And Ohio state was not able to do that last year. And how many, how many games during the urban Meyer era did they win on a final drive where they just ran the ball for seven minutes? Yeah. I mean, they were like, I mean, there was a lot of them. Yeah. So and part of that is know. they had a running back playing, playing quarterback. Um, and like, yes. and they don't have that now, but I, I also, I also came away I had thought this based on some stuff that Kevin Wilson had said during the spring, but then talking with Ryan Day last week, I, I came away feeling even stronger that C.J. Stroud is going to be more involved running the ball this year. Um, not to the level that Justin Fields was, I don't think, but I think everyone, including C.J., maybe in spite of some of the things he said publicly, like believes that he can be a weapon throwing the ball or running the ball, excuse me. And they're going to try to use a little more of that this year. Now that he's healthy, now that the shoulder's not as much of a deal, um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. But that's kind of the the, the gist that I got. And um, to go to, to to speak more to your point, Ari, what you said about like them up front, part of the state of the program is getting a, a sort of an outside viewpoint from someone else in the conference, um, preferably someone that is in their in their division and, and plays Ohio State every year. So there's some of that in there, and so you got it? Yeah. The, the well, I had I had help in getting it, but yeah. Um, but what was the nuts and bolts of it? Calling into question Ohio State's offensive and defensive lines, okay. which I think is I think was what most people who have watched this team would do, right? Yeah. So I think there's a there's a there's and a, it makes you feel good about whoever said that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. So I think there's a there's two things. It's like it's it's they've they've not been as good up front on defense as they have historically been, I think. And I think there's also a feeling that they could and should be better on the offensive line based on some of the talent they've had, um, which yeah. is why Ohio state has a new offensive line coach this year. So, yep. um, yeah. So anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to run through all, like I said, but it'll be up on Wednesday on the athletic, the athletic.com slash four dash six. You can read that. You can read all the ones that have run already and all the ones that are going to continue the run um, throughout the summer. And if you're just a fan of college football in general, I would, I would highly recommend you do that because they're really informative uh, stories. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have a, a, a question here that I wanted to get to someone, someone left this uh, via an Apple five-star review. And uh, again, we encourage you to leave us five-star reviews uh, whenever you please. And if you leave a question, uh, we'll try to get them on the show. And I'm going to try to be better about pulling those out, too. I know there's some in the past we have not done. But if you take the time to leave a five-star review, uh, we will be better about taking the time to find your questions that you leave there and answering them in the show. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So here's a question from Anthony. Uh, his handle was Anthony5707. This was from 
uh, a little after draft time, so I'm hoping we're not too late with this. And even if we are, I think it's an interesting discussion. He asked, uh, should I draft Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Chris Olave? I have an upcoming fantasy football dynasty draft and will be able to pick between the best wide receivers in the class, but I can't decide who I prefer as a pro. My heart says Olave, but my brain tells me it's between Wilson and Jamison. What do you guys think? Who's going to be the best pro? And then the last part of his question was, did Brian Hartline mess up in letting Jamison Williams go? Well, the fantasy football one's impossible because, like, I personally believe that Garrett Wilson's going to be the best receiver in the pros, and I felt that way since the second he got onto campus, even though I believe that Chris Olave is one of the three best receivers in Ohio State history. Like, both of those things can be true, but he also plays in an offense that's been historically bad the last five years, and I don't know that I'm a believer in Zach Wilson's long-term ability to be their, their quarterback. So it's like that, to me, is like, it's like the questions are different. Like, which one, who would you draft first um, in a fantasy league doesn't necessarily equate to who you think is going to be the best overall player. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, that's, that's kind of the conversation I was having in my head as well. And I think the, the quarterback is just like s- such an important piece of it when you try to break that down. And I'm with you. I'm not a tremendous believer in Zach Wilson. Uh, Chris Olave is with the Saints, and their quarterback situation is weird because they're going it is. with Jameis Winston, and like they don't have a first round pick next year because they traded it to the Eagles. Um, to the birds, to the birds, and Jamison Williams is with Detroit with Jared Goff, who I don't think either of us is particularly high on. But Jared Goff's contract situation is such that they could move away from him rather easily after this year and draft. Well, a it's this year. Like, who do you think is going to have the best stats this year? I think that Jamison Williams would probably be. I mean, he's a track star playing in an indoor stadium. Um, yeah, not that New Orleans isn't. But there's a dynasty. He said it's a dynasty draft, so there's a long term element to this too. Oh. I would go with Garrett Wilson. I think I might go with Jamison Williams for fantasy purposes. I yeah. I think I like, of the three as a player, I, I think I like Garrett the most. Um, I think I think Garrett kind of combines a little of what you get from each of Olave and Jamison Williams. And maybe Olave and Jamison Williams are a little more specialized. Um but I think the combination of, like, Jameis Williams is very good. He's incredibly fast. Uh, he's going to be a weapon in the NFL, and his quarterback situation could be drastically improving in a year. Uh, I think I like that long-term value there, too. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, hard to to be the dream weaver of which quarterbacks you like the most. And I guess, like, golf is probably the one that I'd feel best about out of the three. Um, yeah, that's a tough question. Like if I were a GM, who would you take though? If you were sitting there in the ten spot, Drake London's off the board, and all three of those guys are there, like who would you have taken? I think I would have taken Wilson. I, I think I, I, okay. Yeah. The thing that like, I the way that it broke down makes me think that had Jamison Williams not injured himself, he would have gone before the other two. Um, which would be interesting considering he left because he couldn't play ahead of them in college. Like, I know that Chris Olave ran a crazy fast 40, but, like, Jamison Williams is, like, a track star. It's, like, close to, like, Olympic speed. Right? Olympic yeah. speed, yeah. So, like, I, and he's a big kid. Um, They're all very good. I don't know. Like, I I, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a tough question. I th- um, I, and yeah. did, did – I got a mailbag question about Brian Hartline today, too. I saw that. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not. Um. But, I mean, I don't know if it's his fault. 
I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like let letting somebody leave is an interesting way of putting it. Sometimes, right? It's like I don't know how how many times in the past have you assigned blame to a position coach for letting a very good player leave. It's like I I sometimes like wonder what Ohio State's offense would have looked like if all three of them were on the team still. The the thing with that is like, like with Jackson, like it's like there was just there just wasn't enough room for everybody. If you want, I mean, Jamison Williams went from like best case scenario here being the third option and like one part of a four man rotation where there's probably a little gap between him and the two guys ahead of him to like being the number one guy in Alabama's offense. So like, I understand like why you would want to go do that. Um, I don't think it was an instance of Ryan Hartline letting him go. I just think it was an instance of Jamison Williams seeing that dynamic here and seeing a dynamic somewhere else that would probably suit him a little better. And, 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 and it's not and, like he transferred to like Purdue. I mean, like he right. went to Al- to be the number one player at Alabama. Yeah. So and the other, the other um, part of it is too, like, um, like, are we sure that Jackson Smith and Jigba isn't the best of all four of these guys we're talking about? So that's right. <laughs> so, no, I know. You know. And I also, I also believe too, if Jamison didn't get hurt in the national title game, he would have won a national title there as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that he made the right decision and I'm not necessarily sure that anybody in Ohio state's coaching staff could say or do anything to change why that was a better situation for him. Yeah. I don't think like, I understand. Yeah. I, I don't know that. Um, it's easy as an Ohio State fan to go look at one of your players that you recruited, and they recruited him before his ratings jumped too. So they like Brian Hartline recognized his talent. It was the first receiver that Ohio State recruited after Zach Smith. That was the story angle that I went to write about when I went to St. Louis to visit him when he was still in high school. So like they they really nailed it with him, and you know it's a shame that they didn't get to see it come to fruition. But you know. There's only one ball, man, and it just it's this isn't gonna be the last time it happens either. Yeah, and, and I don't I think in the end, like it kind of worked out for everybody. It's not like could would it have been fun to see Jamison Williams in Ohio State's offense last year? Of course. I don't know if Ohio State's offense would have been markedly better because it was hard for them to be any better than they were last year. So in the meantime, Jamison Williams got to go to Alabama and be a stud and then become a first round pick. So I think it worked out for everybody. Yes. All right. You have a question you want to ask me to wrap up the show. Okay, I got asked this question um, on Andy Andy's show, and I uh, was very curious what you wanted to what you would have done. So, okay, here's the scenario, and I need you to, un, to turn your camera back on because I want to look at your face. Okay. Um, you get to pick five restaurants, and every single meal that you eat for the rest of your life has to come from one of these five restaurants. The locations that they're currently in cannot be changed. You can't open up a new one. And if they open up a new one on their own, you still get to, to go to that place, but you can't change where where you go. And they all have to be national chains, and you have to consider uh, like travel and all the stuff when you're picking these, um, but also to menus that are diverse enough where you wouldn't want to uh, run your car off a cliff because of repetitiveness for the rest of your life. And like, I don't know if I should reveal my answers first, uh, but I... How about you go ahead and go first? You can't eat anything for, the, and you can't cook at home, and you can't go to the grocery store. Sure. Okay. So I, coffee shops don't count either. If you want to get coffee, you can get coffee. You just can't order food items in those coffee shops. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, I didn't really take that into account, but that's good to know. Uh, okay. I looked. I looked at yours and Andy's list, and that influenced me a little bit because it's hard. It's hard. I think to put this together. So looking at your list helped me. Um, okay, my five are Cheesecake Factory, which I thought was an inspired pick by you. Um. Any place that has a menu the size of a textbook has to be on this list just for diversity purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like going to Epcot in one restaurant. 
You can hit all the, hit all yeah, the you can get crab legs or you can get uh, General Tso's chicken. Uh, it's all there, baby. Right. And it's all pretty good, too. So Plus the desserts are now, killer. You might die prematurely from how terrible it is right. for you, but diversity. And also they have a brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays, I think, mm-hmm. which allows you to get breakfast. And uh, they've got elite desserts, obviously. It's called the Cheesecake Factory. Right. So, so uh, breakfast was important to me because I'm a big breakfast guy. Breakfast is probably the meal that I, that I eat out the most. Um, okay. And it is my favorite. Really? Me- and it is my favorite meal of the day. Yeah, um, you got to get your ass to a Tudor's Biscuit World, buddy. I do. I mean, I, really, I don't know what you got to do to get out of your way, but you got to go out of your way for it. I'm, I'm driving you. to Myrtle Beach. I'll, I'll check the map and see if uh, see if I can find one. Do you have to drive way. through West Virginia to get there? I believe I do. Yeah. Okay. Um. So with that in mind, uh, Waffle House is on my list. Big fan of Waffle House. They're everywhere. It's a delight every time I go there. Delicious breakfast. Decent coffee. I like I like sitting at a counter and eating food and then watching people cook the food as it happens. I think it's just a tremendous environment. I know maybe it's not for everybody, but I love it. Um, tremendous environment is not what I would say <laughs> as best. it pertains to Waffle House, but I also like the diversity of the locations. Yep, great people watching. But they've too. got a very limited menu. Uh, they do, they do. I think that's fair. So you got to take that into account. Like you, you know, like if you go to Waffle House, you get they've got a burger there. Yeah, but it's the same waffle and the same eggs and the same potatoes forever. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Okay. There's, there's more than just breakfast, but that's but mostly a breakfast option for me. Um, okay. Cracker Barrel, I like a lot. They're everywhere. Um, also, you can go there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which I think is is a big selling point. Um, Chick Fil A, I picked because I like the convenience of a drive through, as you said to me. Um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's not open on Sundays. You have to take that into that's account. Fine. That's okay with me. No road trips on Sundays. No road I guess. Trips well, I guess you have to stop at stop at Cracker Barrel because right. they're off every exit. Uh, okay. And then. I feel like while I do not feel like there is any good option in terms of like national, nationally available or even internationally available pizza chains, I feel like I needed one because I just can't imagine a world where I can't have pizza again for the rest of my life. Yep. So I picked Pizza Hut. You picked Pizza Hut over Domino's. Yeah. Domino's pizza is actually really improved. I think it has improved. I still don't think it's tremendously good. The Wisconsin Six Cheese pizza there that they have is better than any other fast food pizza place, in my opinion. But Pizza Hut has stuffed crust, and they've got the best stuffed crust. Love the stuffed crust. Can go there but, and hit hit a hit a lunch buffet every now and then to mix it up if you want to get a little pasta on your plate. Yeah. Okay. So my answers were Cheesecake Factory, Maggiano's because Italian food is my favorite food, and I wanted to have an Italian dedicated restaurant. Some people thought I should have gone Carabas there instead, but I thought Maggiano's was like, high scale like enough Carabas, to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're all it's all deadly. I mean, I just it, my third pick was Domino's because Domino's has and I don't know what Pizza Hut's international chain. I think they're an international chain too, but I also am a big big purveyor of the cheesy bread appetizer at Domino's, which you know, I know the breadsticks are pretty good at Pizza Hut and the stuffed crust is good, but I thought that Domino's had a very good selection of like sandwiches and chicken too, mm-hmm. which this is the rest of your life, so you have to like think about those types of things. Um, you didn't put a steakhouse on yours, which I thought was interesting because it's not just steak, but um, I picked Mastro Steakhouse because they also have the Ocean Club and like they have really good seafood, too. And if you like want a high quality meal, like there's no high quality meal on, on yours there's uh, in terms of like and like I think that like you would be on a one way ticket to, to cardiac arrest on, on yours because there's no reprieve from it. Even the salads at Cheesecake Factory are 2000 calories. And like Mastro's, you can go have like a very healthy like fish and vegetable dinner without smashing food. And then my last uh, chain was McDonald's because I'm a big filet fish person. 
I think they've got elite breakfast for fast food, and they're everywhere. Un- internationally, road trips, there's no restrictions on Sunday. Uh, I like their chicken nuggets a lot. Like I think that it's the most diverse and consistent fast food restaurant as it pertains to location, availability, and diversity. So I... Andy's was Cracker Barrel 1, Chipotle 2, Texas Roadhouse 3, Roos Chris 4, and Blaze Pizza 5. But I feel like living in his world would be such a pain in the ass because he has no drive through And Texas Roadhouse uh, is... Every menu item there is worse than the Roos Crisp one that he put on there except the rolls that they put out. Yeah, is that, is that the thought process there? You get it's the rolls? very redundant. He, he wants the rolls, yeah. And I thought that was kind of a short-sighted thing yeah. to think if you're talking about the rest of your life. Chipotle is very good, but every single menu item there tastes the same, and I think it would become redundant. And Blaze Pizza is not big enough for me to that be my only reliance on pizza. Like if you had to find pizza everywhere you went, trying to find a Blaze Pizza would be a nightmare. Like I would take like my life. I think would be better than his. I like a fast casual pizza joint, but I don't know. I don't know if one is readily available enough to put it on the list. And I also don't know that Blaze Pizza is enough better than Domino's from a taste standpoint to go through the hassle of trying to find one. I really like, like uh, pizza Cucinova of that, of that style of pizza place, but like the one, yeah, the yeah. One I mean, they're pretty good, the... but it's like, it's not like it's a, it's like a goat pizza place that you like love. Right. Like it's just a regular, like do it yourself, walk in fast, casual pizza place. And like, is the quality of that pizza place better enough than pizza hut and Domino's where, you give up the delivery aspect of it unless you pay $9 extra for Uber Eats to find one. And then if you are somehow not in one of the major cities in America, just not going to get to eat pizza that night. Like you could do a road trip and find a Domino's on the side of a road in the middle of nowhere. Like there's Domino's everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, you know, Domino's uh, pizza is, and Domino's also has thin crust in deep dish and hand tossed. And I don't know that doesn't pizza hut have, they've, they've experimented with Detroit style. Does Pizza Hut have a thin? Yeah, they have. I think they have a thin. They have the pan. They have the the stuffed crust. Yeah. Okay. All right, Pizza Hut I can live with if you like it better than Domino's. I like Pizza Hut a lot. It's more. We never once ordered Pizza Hut together. Oh, we did one time. Well, the the their Pizza Hut's tough around here. There is a Pizza Hut. Actually, there are there's a Pizza Hut and a Domino's that are they're in opposite directions of my house, but they're not more than two miles from my house, and neither one of them delivers to my house. When I lived in the short north, I only could get Domino's delivered. No no Pizza Hut's delivered. Yeah, we got Domino's delivered quite a bit. We did. Yeah, it was great times. It's also a nostalgia play. But yeah, it's a kind of a fun thing to do. And people are like, oh my God, what an idiot. You only get to pick five restaurants ever and McDonald's is one of your on your list. It's like, yeah, I know it's not one of the five best restaurants in the world. But like in this scenario, it's a clutch play. I think that's right. I think you have to take that into consideration. You have to take the... Also, like, do they have Chick-fil-A in Spain? Like, you'll never be able to travel ever again. I don't think I'm okay with that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's not some place in the world that I've not been to that I really want to go to. Uh, You're done. You're you're world traveled. I'm more more about getting to all 50 states, and I think with this list, I'd be okay. I mean, what do you got, like, five left now? I'm at 44, yeah. And all of them are in the same area of the country, probably? No. Uh, well, mostly. I'm missing Kansas, which is like a huge pain in the ass, because who the hell goes to Kansas? Yeah, also, it's like the one state that I've driven through, and it's like 10 straight hours of driving, and you see nothing. Yeah, I'm missing uh, Kansas, the Dakotas, Montana, Oregon, Washington, Alaska. 
You've been to Wyoming? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you went with. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Alaska. And funny enough, I and I've spent a lot of time on the East Coast. I don't think I've ever been in Delaware. You're not missing much. <laughs> no, I know, but like it seems to be like a place that you know, it's kind of like in a very advantageous part of the country, and I don't know why, but I've just never been hit there. Up, uh, hit up Rehoboth Beach. Do, hit the outlets. Do some shopping. It's nice. Yeah, and I don't know that I'll ever go there now. Yeah, if you're... If I lived in Ohio for 10 years and was a single person who did a million road trips and never wound up there, then why am I going to wind up there now? Yeah, I, if he got like invited to like a wedding in like Detroit, or not Detroit, in New Jersey or something like that, and then you just... And like I've been to New Jersey 5,000 times. Here's what you do. You go to Jersey, you go to the Cape May, you get on the Cape May uh, Lewis Ferry, and you take the drive your car onto the ferry, take it from Cape May, New Jersey, down to Lewis, Delaware. Driving my car onto a ferry sounds like such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Is it a pain in the ass, or have they like streamlined it so I've that it's pretty it. easy? I've never done it. Okay. I can't. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can imagine that it would be a tremendous pain in the ass. You don't have to drive your car onto it. You can just get on the boat and go down there and then come back. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason too is like you don't just want to go to a state just to go to the state. You have to have a reason to go there. The beaches in Delaware are nice. Rehoboth Beach is nice. Dewey Beach is nice. I've been in New Hampshire. I've been in Maine. I've been to Vermont, and I've been to Massachusetts. So, like, I'm all set up in the Northeast, right? Yep. But I've never been into... I've been to Portland, but I've never been to Washington State. I've never been to Wyoming, Montana, either of the Dakotas, or Idaho. Um, and I think that's it. I went to Boise for the basketball tournament. Otherwise, I, I, would, not, I would not have a, a Idaho either. Yeah. That's a great town, by the way. Boise. I know. You want to live there. Yeah. Um, I would live there. Yeah, it's like weird because all of like I feel like I could just knock out the rest of them in one road trip. Oh, um, I have a question for you. I want to ask you before it's yeah. another food based question. Someone asked me my mailbag last week. Um, rank rank the five schools you would add to the Big Ten footprint based off of the food city that they're in. That's hard. Um, I added Arizona State. I added the stipulation that they actually have to have a fo- have a football team, but I don't care if they're good. Or okay, not. Arizona State for Phoenix. I think Phoenix is a very underrated food town. Okay. Uh, UCLA, okay, or USC. Um, I know that people are going to hate me for this, but it would not be LSU because I'm not a huge Bayou person or Creole or however you say it. Um. UNLV. Interesting. Because they've got... Las Vegas has a one-mile strip of hotels that have the best restaurants from every I, state all packed into I know, one. that's a good pick. I didn't even cross my mind to pick it, but I think it's a good pick. It's like you could get like... They've got like a Hattie B's there across the street from a Giordano's. Mm-hmm. Like everything that's best about all of the Big Ten schools, like there is a location on the strip for that. Yeah. So I feel like that's like a must. It's like I'm all like Southwest because I'm just like a Southwest person. Um... And, like, the thing, too, with me is that I'm not a huge um, – oh, this one without question, probably Stanford because it's the closest you can get to San Francisco, um, and I'm a big seafood person, and they have great seafood in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Rutgers counts for the, the East Coast slice, right? So we already have that. So I don't need to put, like, New York City in there, right? Does that count? Uh I think you could say that, yeah, I think New York can count for Rutgers, yeah. Um, you got one more. 
I've got one more here. And I, I, people hate me for this, but I'm not a big barbecue person. Mm. So I don't think that I, like I live in Texas and I never want to go there. So like that, that's kind of out of the question. Um, and maybe I probably should have said uh, Washington instead of uh, Stanford because Washington, like Seattle has incredible seafood, right? Yep. Which one's a better seafood town? Probably. I've never probably been to Seattle. Seattle so. Probably Seattle. Then, okay, then put Washington in there instead of, of Stanford. And then I'm kind of stumped. I think we, I mean, we're kind of, We've kind of hit all the all the good places, right? Uh, yeah. My my five were Cal Berkeley for San Francisco, USC for LA, um, University of Pennsylvania for Philadelphia. Um, I know, but Rutgers is close enough to Philadelphia where you can get your treats anyway. Yeah, like every a, single time you go to Rutgers, you get your treats. I go to Philly when I go to Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers is only an hour from where I grew up. Um. What was my other one? I should probably pull it up. Uh, I had the. Didn't you? I'm sure you didn't pick LSU. Don't you like Creole? I did not pick LSU. Um, I picked the University of Toronto because uh, they have a football program, and Toronto is a good food city. And my. What are you a big poutine guy? I love poutine. Yeah, but it's like I mean, it's like New York. It's like it has. I ate poutine one time, and I was like halfway through. I was like, I can't. Oh, do this shit anymore. you know what? I did pick. I picked Tulane to get New Orleans. Yeah, I knew you would. Yeah, New Orleans has great food. Yeah. Uh, someone, oh, I guess like Miami's got great Cuban food. Peep, yeah, I, I don't know if people, a lot of people said Houston. Um, I've only really spent like a day in Houston. So I. What's you, what, what would the catch be in Houston? I guess it has a lot of really good restaurants. Someone said like you didn't pick Nashville or Memphis. And I was like, well, I think you only need to pick one of the two. Maybe that's insulting to people in Tennessee. Um, but neither one of them really crossed my mind. But what is it for? Barbecue or hot chicken? I think Houston has a pretty good, like pretty good mix because there's a lot of people from there to come from outside the area. You probably you also can get the barbecue, um, and probably like most traditional like southern. The fare, best but. Nashville chicken is actually opening in Texas. What's that? Uh, Hattie B's is opening up in Dallas. Oh, nice. Um, you get torch. I mean, I guess I would probably put tacos down there. Dallas is probably be a good one for you because they've got everything here. Yeah. Um, at SMU to the and I don't know what like what the what's the regular like fan fair up in like South Dakota or Montana like I don't even know like, what's up there yeah that that's not appealing to me I've had a bison I've seen before. a few uh, Instagrams of of Denver pizza places um, that look pretty good I've been to Denver we got Pizza Hut I consider <laughs> but I didn't have them yeah yeah okay yeah all right, Landis. I think you should wrap this okay. up. I think we, we're rambling now. Okay. Um, it was good. It was good catching up with you, though, buddy. Yeah, you too. Uh, thank you for listening to Four to Six with A and B. We'll be back next week, and the the plan currently is to have our NCAA tournament bracket winner Marshall join us for for next week's show. Um, it sounds like we'll be able to make that work. Might have to record it a little later in the week than we normally do, but that is the plan for now. And if for some reason that falls apart. We'll still do a show next week, but until then, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.